When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 218, and we are recording on February 10th. I'm Amanda Nelson, and I'm here with Jen Northington. We are coming to you from Book Riot with special guests Sarah McLean and Jen Prokop from the Faded Mates Podcast. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having us, you guys. Yeah, thank you. Of course. Very exciting. For our listeners who are unfamiliar with your show, can you give them like like an overview? Sarah, are you going to do it? (laughs) (laughs) um well jen and i met on the internet like a lot of people do these days and uh the way that we met is through books which i think is how a lot of people who listen to the book riot podcast probably meet their friends on the internet um and we were both we both are um wildly in love with a series of romance novels called immortals after dark uh, which is basically Monster Mash, but with sex. <laughs> You're really underselling it that way, but that's okay. <laughs> um, it's by a woman named Cressley Cole, who um, I believe is one of the best romance writers writing today. Um, and it's about a 20-book series that roams over um, a huge cast of immortal characters from vampires to werewolves to valkyries to witches to demons um and it it all sort of tells it's this big story about the end of the, the sort of end of the world potentially um and how they're all kind of battling the world and also falling in love um and Jen and I realized that we both loved this series so much that we decided we were going to do a very simple very simple one very and short. done 18 episode podcast each episode would be a deep dive of one of these books um, and now two years later, we are. <laughs> you can't stop us. You can only hope you to can. contain us. <laughs> can't stop what's up. The first season was um, Immortals After Dark with every other week we did these interstitial episodes where we recommended romance novels based on a trope and sort of deep dived on the trope and talked about why the trope exists and what it means and how it works. And now season two is um, what we're calling the books that blooded us, the romance novels that made us romance readers and showed us how the genre can really transcend um, literature. And uh, now we're here with you to talk, to tell people what romance novels to read. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So y'all, if you've been a longtime listener of Get Booked, you will probably remember that Sarah has been on the show before. It was a live episode that we recorded at Book Riot Live like four years ago. I'm actually going to talk about one of the books that I talked about on that show again, (laughs) because I cannot shut up about Priest by Sierra Simone. So that's going to happen again. Um, I made a lot of like really awkward faces that time. You're going to see them this time. Well, we recorded a whole episode about that show, about that book. So we are, we're with you there. We're with you. It's so good. Okay. Um, So as you can probably guess, people, uh, we're going to talk about romance novels today. That's why we brought on the experts to give us, you know, a hand. 
No pun intended. I'm going to do this a lot this show more than likely. <laughs> oh, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I could. It just came out. I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. We're <laughs> here for you. Okay. So if you are new to Get Booked, how the show usually works and is working today is that you send us your reading recommendation requests for yourself or your book club or a gift or whatever. Um, we answer it on the show, obviously. Uh, you can email those to us at getbookedatbookart.com or you can drop them in the form in the show notes on the site. Uh, we've collected, saved some romance questions for this episode. Uh, but the, the questions you said us can be about any and every kind of book. Um, since we've got guests today, we're going to skip the feedback section and just go straight to it. So I'm going to read our first question and then we will hear from our first sponsor. Um, so this is an anonymous question that says, I'm looking for a fantastic romp. I love light, hilarious reads like Tessa Dare and the book I'm currently reading, My Fake Rake, which is utterly brilliant. I also love a science fiction fantasy romp like How Rory Thorne Destroyed the Multiverse and Jodie Taylor's books. That's the mental place I'm in. Can you recommend some great romps in any genre? Thank you very much. Okay, and let's hear from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read. And I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my hot month reads. It's hot girl reading summer always over here. And from the award-winning librettist of Legally Blonde, the musical and the screenwriter of Freaky Friday, Heather Hawk, comes the page-turning psychological thriller, The Trouble with Drowning. So when author Eden Hart floats into Tucson's Antigone books and all her dazzling perfection to give a reading, Kat, a struggling writer, can't help but compare herself. Thankfully, Kat's life starts to take on its own Eden-like glow when her literary future takes shape and she falls madly in love with Jacob. As demons from her past begin to surface, Kat's mental health craters and this halcyon dream slips through her fingers. For the fastest-paced slow burn you won't be able to put down, be sure to check out The Trouble with Drowning by Heather Hawk on Amazon or your retailer of choice. And thanks again to Greenleaf Book Group for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Avid Reader Press. So this next book is a really fun sounding mashup of different genres. There's a little time travel, a little romance, a little spy thriller action going on. So in the near future, a civil servant is offered the salary of her dreams and is shortly afterward told what project she'll be working on. A recently established government ministry is gathering quote unquote expats from across history to establish whether time travel is feasible for the body, but also for the fabric of space time. This is an exquisitely original and feverishly fun fusion of genres and ideas. The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley asks, what does it mean to defy history when history is living in your house? Colleen Bradley's answer is a blazing, unforgettable testament to what we owe each other in a changing world. It kind of gives Outlander meets Cloud Atlas or If the Time Traveler's Wife was written by Sally Rooney or Colson Whitehead. Make sure to check out The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley. And thanks again to Avid Reader Press for sponsoring this episode. All right, I'm going to stop talking. Jen, do you want to go? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> this is going to be tricky, actually, because we have two Jens. So, right. But right. I will start. Host Jen. You can, you know, you could also call me Jen Reads Romance if that's easier. That's what they call me on the Twitter. <laughs> or I'm Book Riot Jen. So oh, we're, sure. we have. Yeah, Faded Mates Jen. Faded Mates yeah. Jen, sure. There we go. We have options. <laughs> Stay um, on brand, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> My Jen. Sarah's Jen. Yeah. <laughs> Jen the greater and Jen the lesser. Let's just not do that oh, one. No. <laughs> 
Well, so my pick for this question, I I heard sci-fi fantasy romp and I my ears perked up, obviously. And so I picked Chilling Effect by Valerie Valdez, which is they're marketing it as a sci-fi novel because it is a sci-fi novel, but it also follows, it has a relationship in it that is a B-plot rather than an A-plot, but a very important B-plot and it has a very satisfying ending. So I think it counts on two friends. And it is so much fun. Like romp is a hundred percent the correct word for this book. It takes place in a, you know, space opera universe. There are lots of different kinds of beings and aliens and creatures and humans interacting. And our main character, Eva Innocente, is the captain of a crew. Um, she pilots a spaceship, La Serena Negra. And they, like, are a cargo ship. They deliver things. They're just struggling to make ends meet. And then she finds out that her sister, who she hasn't seen in a while, has been kidnapped by, like, the space mafia. They're known as the Fridge. And she they are blackmailing her to do a bunch of really dangerous, weird, not-great missions to pay off the ransom. And so she's trying not to let her crew know what's going on. She's also sort of in love with one of her crewmates, but that's weird because she's the captain. And there's a really nice exploration of the power dynamics inherent in that kind of thing. And then, you know, there's all of these crazy missions that she's going on. There's psychic cats. There's also this horrible, like, toxically masculine emperor alien who's chasing her around the galaxy trying to, you know, add her to his harem, which is a problem. (laughs) And it is just, it is. It's so much fun. You'll tear through it. It's also the first in a series. I cannot wait for the next installment of this. So again, that was Chilling Effect by Valerie Valdez. All right. Sarah, you want to go? Sure. Um, so I'm jumping off of your Tessadere Evale request. Um, I also think they're both fabulous. And um, whenever anybody asks me for a romp in historical romance, I have a singular answer, and that is What Happens in Scotland by Jennifer McQuiston, um, which is the best way to describe it is imagine the movie The Hangover, but a romance novel. <laughs> <laughs> um, so these two, it's set in Scotland in the Regency, which is the 18 uh, teens, 1820s. Um, and the hero and heroine, the book opens with the hero and heroine waking up in a, in a bed in an inn. And they are both wearing, um, or she is wearing a wedding ring. They are married and they do not recognize each other. Um, and they have no idea how it is possible that they are married, but they are in fact married. Um, and the entire book is told in a 24 hour period where they have to piece together the 24 hours prior to figure out how exactly it is that they ended up married in Scotland. Um, and it is hilariously funny. There are tons of characters. It's all, it's all set on the Scottish border. So there are tons of these sort of Scottish characters. Um, it's very rompy. There, there are, um, there are children who recognize them and remember things that happened the day before. There is the innkeeper. There is the blacksmith. There are all these people who they have to sort of connect with to figure out how it is, how it is possible that, that they ended up married. Um, and it is really, really delightful. And if you like Tessa, you will love Jennifer. Unfortunately, um, you will only love a few of Jennifer's books because she is actually an infectious disease specialist at the CDC. And she ended up stopping writing fabulous romance novels to go back to work and save the world. So we love you, Jenny. But And we hope that you know when you retire, you'll come back to us. 
You know, romance authors are so often like also they're just like super geniuses. Yeah. Yeah. As it you should know, be. So many lawyers and doctors. It, it's very unexpected for a lot of people, but yeah. I yeah. love it. It's so great. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, but a lot of <laughs> a lot of other people are. Well, debatable. I think it's totally debatable. <laughs> Faded mates gen. I'm going to go with that. Faded mates gen. All right, there you go. Um, I also went with a historical. I think um like Sarah, I noticed those call-outs to some of um some great historical authors and I'm going to recommend a book that came out last summer called One Fine Duke by Lenora Bell. Um and in this book, I uh it was the first book I think I'd ever read by her and basically what happens is she the main character is a, a young woman named Mina Penny. And if you are thinking Miss Monty Penny, you are on the right track. <laughs> so she is the – her uncle is essentially like the the best spy master in England. And she herself is obsessed with spycraft. So she is like – you know, she learns all about code breaking and weapons and, you know, and all she wants to do is essentially be sent out into the field because um, her uncle's like sort of arch nemesis, some, you know, French guy or whatever, of course, uh, is the one who I think she thinks is responsible responsible for the death of her parents. So she ends up uh, kind of teaming up with a duke, of course, named Rafe Bentley, which is mm. a great duke name. <laughs> and this book literally has these two, I mean, sneaking around in hedges and finding clues in hidden rooms and, you know, climbing up walls. And to me, when I think of romps, I really think of a lot of that I don't know, just kind of the like, like kind of fun sneaking around and, and, you know, like there's gadgets galore and, and the, it's just a really charming romance between these two. And I just really liked the idea of, um, kind of romance as a spy caper, right? Like not a really hardcore spy story, which sometimes I get a little lost in. Um, but also the thing I really liked about this was that Mina has been told her entire life because she's a, a girl that she cannot do the things, right? Her uncle just is so sad to have lost her parents that he wants to protect her. And the story is really one about her, like, self-actualization, right? And that Rafe ex likes that about her, right? And and allow and they work together and they they're a better team for it. And I just thought it was a really delightful romp. Like, when you said romp, that's, like, the first book that came to my mind. I love Lenora Bell's books. Oh, she's, she's great. She's so great. She wrote an entire romance novel based on Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yes, it was that was the first one. And it's, so and it's fabulous. It's fabulous. I didn't know that. It also, this book has a great cover. They're like lying in a field of daisies. And I was like, this is how romance should feel. Like, a, like an Instagram moment. <laughs> no bugs. No, no yeah. bugs in that field of daisies. All right, I'm going to wrap us up with this question with The Worst Best Man by Mia Sosa, which I am obsessed with. This is a contemporary romp. I think it's very rompy. Uh, rompy? That's not a word. But the main character's name is Lena. And she, when the book opens, she is at the altar. Like, she is about to get married. And the um, best man at, the, at her wedding is her groom's brother, who the night before is said to have convinced the groom to not go through with the wedding. So the wedding does not happen. Lena is left at the altar um, because ostensibly of what her supposed to be brother-in-law has said to her groom um 
And the kind of twist here is that she's a wedding planner. So like a wedding planner getting jilted at the altar is like not a good look. And then you fast forward a couple of years and she's created a really successful wedding planning business and put all of this kind of stuff behind her. Um, And she's doing so well that a really big uh, fancy hotel in D.C. wants to hire her to like coordinate all the weddings that are happening in their hotel. The catch is that she has to create a proposal with a marketing company that the the hotel has hired. Um, The catch to that catch is that the brothers, both brothers, work for that marketing company. And so she's paired up with her brother-in-law who, like, ruined her life. Her, you know, didn't end up actually being her brother-in-law, but her not brother-in-law, whatever, named Max. And they have to work together and create a whole proposal and, like, save both of their careers um, while also, you know, not hating each other. He doesn't <laughs> hate her. He, like, has he woke up hungover, has no recollection of what he said. He feels really bad about what happened. Um, and she has, you know, understandable animosity towards him. The thing that I love about this book so much, it, it's very, it's such a like fun romp. They have to travel through like the countryside to plan all these weddings together. They end up like a car broken down on the side of the road and just like lots of zany situations that they get themselves uh, caught up in, including like the just premise of the book. Like that's in and of itself kind of a zany situation. Um, but the thing that I love so much about this one is that everyone in it is a freaking adult. Like everyone says what they are thinking and feeling with their mouth like with their mouth words <laughs> and then all, there's like really responsible condom usage and you know she lena is um mad at max understandably but she doesn't let it stand in the way of getting the job done and when she like tries to talk to him about it and he talks to her like it's just oh it's like how a relationship that started off as as kind of enemies but mostly like misunderstanding based going to lovers kind of should fold out in real life i don't know it's just very satisfying like it's really wholesome and nice and really sexy i love it i love that book i really loved it too yeah mia's a fabulous right yeah and she mm-hmm. there's, there's a great scene where they go to a capoeira class and lena kicks max in the face it's on accident and it's like very <laughs> like, yep that's what that's how this should have gone you on accident <laughs> quote marks on accident so that's the worst <laughs> best man by mia sosa <laughs> amazing All right. Our next question is from Heidi, who says, I finally got to read Red, White, and Royal Blue over my holiday break, and I loved it. I would love another book like this one. I will just kick us off. I am picking How to Be a Movie Star by T.J. Klune, which is technically, I do this all the time, it's technically the second book in this How to Be (laughs) series, but I think you can absolutely read it and not be lost, and then you can go back and read the first one. And this one gets a trigger warning for discussion of suicidal thoughts and depression. Just so you know, this, I, I mean, I have talked about this. I think already this year, but I don't care. It's so sweet and lovely and funny. And it has a few things in common, I think, with uh, Red, White, and Royal Blue, in addition to being sweet and funny. Um, there's also some elements of dealing with the public, although much lower key than, like, you know, royalty. And it's super gay. Like, there's, like, no straight people in this book, which is kind of a delight. Um, and it is about Josie, Josiah Erickson. He lives in L.A. He is determined to be become a movie star but it's not working out great like he has a terrible job at like is it TGI Fridays or Applebee's I can't remember but he's a waiter (laughs) at a chain it's not great but he like you know keeps himself sane by you know getting high (laughs) pretty regularly hanging out with his friends and just like you know not he's eternally optimistic he's determined to do this he's gonna do it he just needs a break and he'll be ready when that break comes 
And then he also, because Stoner, happens to be really good at radio trivia, so he's constantly winning tickets to things. And he wins tickets to what he thinks is a poetry reading that actually turns out to be a live reading of Monster Erotica. (laughs) And he, the writer (laughs) of these books, is, you know, like very anxious and has struggled with anxiety in various ways and is, but like is doing his best to, you know, be there for his public and do this reading. And Josie, who is on the ACE spectrum, just is like, I need to be his friend. Like, I'm obsessed with him. I need to be his friend. How do I become his friend? And he beefs it. He beefs it so hard. Like, it does not go well. And he's so sad. And then he gets another shot because this writer, Qbert, is making a film and Josie gets to audition for it and things unfold from there. And I just, it's so heartwarming. The way that the friends are part of the book is one of my favorite things. They both, both of the main characters have these lovely communities around them that support them. Josie is like an undiagnosed neurodivergent on the undiagnosed neurodivergent spectrum. And, you know, the acceptance, like the just pure acceptance and support that he gets from his friends is so lovely. Like everybody deserves that in their lives. And I just can't say enough. It's so funny. It's so sweet. It unfolds in such a lovely way. I just like I, I just it was so... I lose my words because it's so sweet and perfect. It's just great. Um, so again, that's How to Be a Movie Star by TJ Klune. Um, Let's see. Who should go next? Faded Mates, Jen. Let's mix it up. All right. I am going to recommend a historical romance by K.J. Charles called Band Sinister. And I oh, love, love this book <laughs> so much. And here's why I think it has a lot to do or, or sort of would like scratch that that itch. So in this book, um, it's got sort of actually it was really funny. I was thinking almost like a similar setup in which um, a tragedy happens to a sister and brings these two men together. <laughs> and so what happens is um, this is a historical romance. So you have like two kind of next door neighbors and they're sort of warring for some, you know, romance reasons. Mm-hmm. And Guy Frisbee and his sister Amanda live um on one side and feel that they've been wronged by Sir Philip Rookwood, who lives kind of next door. And, and in, I mean, in, I always imagine this being like, I don't know, like next door in old timey England is like, what, like a couple acres away? Who knows? Anyway. <laughs> and Sir Philip is sort of seen by Guy and his sister. And I think the rest of the people in the surrounding area is being a bit of a, um, not a villain, but sort of there, you know, he's clearly up to no good. He calls his group of friends that he's always with the murder. And the rumors around town are that they're like orgying and, you know, gambling and whatever other fun people do. Bad people. <laughs> and... um <laughs> And what happens is Amanda is out riding her horse and falls off and breaks her leg. And so, you know, again, there's like no hospitals. Philip rescues her, but she like literally can't be moved. And so um, Guy has to go essentially and be his sister's chaperone. And while he's there, he, um, he falls in love with Philip. And it is this amazing story of, of friendship, of like kind of how people take care of each other. Um, it, it, despite the sort of the thing that reminded me, I think of red, red, white, and royal blue is like the idea that like outsiders looking in on these relationships would disapprove of them, would find them, you know, like sort of abhorrent, would 
potentially guy and is very worried about um, his family and how they'll respond. Um, but it is such a beautiful story of like what people mean to each other and how people take care of each other. And the other thing I would, I think that really recommends it is KJ Charles. There is like, KJ Charles is like a poet of romance. There's nothing extra in these mm. books. Everything is wound so perfectly tight that there is like no flabbiness to it whatsoever. And I feel like as a story, then the angst and the feelings and the emotions are just like, like supercharged because there's no way out of them. And I just think this is one of the best romances I could possibly recommend to anyone, and certainly for fans of Red, White, and Royal Blue. Okay, I'll go next. I picked Carry On by Rainbow Rowell. And the reason why I picked this is because Red, White, and Royal Blue is an enemies to lovers story with a lot of political consequences. And so is Carry On, but with magic, because it's actually Harry Potter. So, I mean, it is like it's Harry Potter fan fiction that she somehow got past copyright and published because she changed all the names. So Simon Snow is the chosen one. He goes to this magical school and it but it starts instead of starting when they're kids, it starts when they're like seniors, you know, or I don't know the the UK equivalent of that, like sixth year, whatever. They're like the last year of school that they're in. Um, and Simon is like the Harry Potter character and his roommate is like the Draco Malfoy character, except he's a vampire and his name is Bath. Um, and they have lived together their entire magical school career. Simon is an orphan who, uh, when during the summers, when he's not at school, he's um, in care, like he's in foster care and mostly staying in group homes. So he's very much all about staying at the school. And him and Baz have had nothing but a tempestuous, awful relationship. Um, because as you could imagine, if like Harry and Draco had to live together, they hate each other. They're also on different opposing sides of the political situation that's happening in the magical world, um, with Baz being from a very uh, wealthy and powerful family and Simon being a nobody but being like prophesy to be the most powerful wizard who's ever you know walked the earth or whatever um, the twist is that he can't get a hold of his magic he can't control it so while he's supposed to like save the wizarding world but whatever she called the mage world um, from you know enemies unknown he can't figure out how to do it because he can't control himself properly and then you add in the fact that like Baz is gay and has been secretly in love with Simon the whole time um, Simon is dating this like beautiful blonde named Agatha. Um, they break up pretty early on in the book. And then he figures out how Baz feels about him and figures out how he feels about Baz. Despite the political consequences, there's a lot of kissing that happens after that. And then you can imagine, you know, like if Draco and Harry were stuck in a room together and realized that they needed to kiss a lot. That's exactly how this book is. And I love it. Would read. Right. Like I love it so much because I did not realize that I shipped Harry and Draco but now I kind of now I kind of do like now I kind of have to. <laughs> sure um and the the ways that Rainbow updates um even though you know Harry Potter's not an old story but the way that she updates it for like millennials I guess young millennials is great like all of the spells are um idioms or song lyrics so like Bohemian Rhapsody is a really powerful spell in this world um the Hermione character Simon's best friend is amazing like the whole thing is great her parallels are so well done it's very sexy um and has a lot of his a lot of those same like high stakes as uh red white and royal blue with a lot of you know make it out so let's carry on by Rainbow Rowell Sarah's turn yeah, um, my pick is Adriana Herrera's American Dreamer for this one. 
This is her debut uh, in her American series, and it is – I picked it before um, – I picked it for a couple of reasons. I picked it because Red, White, and Royal Blue is really um, – the the relationship between the main characters is so um, delightful and, like, fun and funny – and um, for me, that's what Adriana does in this book. And and um, she really sets up this wonderful relationship between – so food is my love language in romance novels. I love a romance that has a chef in it for mm. – um, if anybody who's ever listened to an episode of Fate of Mates knows that. Um, this book is um, about Nesto, who is a first-generation Dominican uh, food truck owner. Um, and he has decided that he's going to leave New York City and go upstate to Ithaca to um, run an Afro-Caribbean food truck in Ithaca. And he's basically like, I'm giving myself six months in this like place <laughs> where that is not at all like New York City, that's going to be real white, probably, and problematic. And if I can make it to see if I can make it work, and if not, I'm coming back. Um, and when he gets there, he meets a amazing librarian, Jude. Um, and they sort of instantly connect in tons of different ways. Um, they are, first of all, like super into each other. Um, but they also, Nesto, Jude has been sort of exiled from his family and, and rejected by his family because he's gay. And Nesto uh, has this like big, boisterous uh, Latinx family um, filled with Dominican women. Ad Adriana loves writing Dominican women um, and, and Afro-Caribbean women. Um, and so there's this like wonderful wide network of women on the page. Um, and this sort of amazing relationship where you just, Jude is just sort of picked up by Nesto's world and like welcomed into it. And so it's it is another one of those books where you sort of feel like a whole community of people. You when you fall in love, you fall in love with a whole community of your your person's whole community. Um and it's really magnificent. Adriana, um, every single one of her books tackles social justice in one way or another. There's uh, race issues in here. There, there's uh, homophobia in here. There's all sorts of discussion of um, of issues facing queer people and people of color in America. Um, but at no point does it feel preachy. It's all incredibly deftly done. Um, and then once you finish this book, you've met all the characters from the rest of the series and you can move on to American Love Story, which is my favorite of the three, um, which is a Black Lives Matter activist and a assistant DA. But that's for next time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our next question is from Desiree, who says, I've been in a bit of a romance reading slump. I love the genre, but keep ending up with books that annoy me. Things that frustrate me include years and years of pining, power imbalances between characters, super alpha dudes. I prefer contemporary romance. Don't care for royalty-related stuff. Books and authors I've enjoyed are Alicia Rye's The Right Swipe and Forbidden Heart series, Alexa Martin's Playbook series, Jasmine Guillory, Yolanda Wallace. Zoe Castile's Happy Ending series, Penny Reed, and Helen Huang. I'm interested in male, 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 female, 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 or any other variation, so it doesn't have to be hetero only. I prefer more comedic slash lighter stuff to heavy drama, but I don't mind some seriousness. My favorite tropes involve forbidden love, friends to lovers, and in a male-female romance, dudes who absolutely worship their ladies. Okay. Um, Jen, my, my Jen, why don't you go? <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of romance novels that are about food, uh, I picked Pride, Prejudice, and Other Flavors by Sonali Dev. And this does come with a bunch of trigger warnings, but they're mostly for things that happen off the page. There's discussion of rape and assault. There is like a 
police, a racist police encounter. Um, there are fears around disability and also mention of miscarriage and difficulties with pregnancy. I picked this book because you love Alicia Rai, I love Alicia Rai, and Helen Huang, and a bunch of these others. But I think in particular, what Sonali Dave does in this book is a combo of like a really fun sort of rom-com, enemies to lovers rom-com, but it has a serious undertone to it and it balances out those things really, really well. And this dude is so here for the women in his life. Like he is the farthest thing from toxic masculinity you could imagine while also being like, you know, a big, beefy, gorgeous hunk of person. So so the main character, Trisha Rajay, is a neurosurgeon and she comes from this very fancy, influential family who have, you know, like her her brother is going to go into politics and, you know, everybody in this family is like a super achiever. And her parents have very high expectations for them. And she has, like, struggled with, even though, you know, she is an accomplished neurosurgeon, she still doesn't ever feel like she's good enough. And she struggles with, you know, the social aspect of being part of such a high-powered family and is not really good at talking to people. Like, she's kind of terrible at talking to people. And our hero, DJ Kane, is hired to do the food for a big, you know, family do for Trisha's brother's political career. And their first encounter is her, like, treating him like the help because she runs into him in the kitchen. And he has come from a very impoverished background. Um, He lost his parents very young, had to, like, help provide for his sister, who is an artist. And he has really struggled. And he has some real, like, you know, issues with feeling like people not taking him seriously. And so they get off on a hundred percent the wrong foot. And it is like you're like, how are they ever gonna get together? And then the way Sonali Dev like makes that happen is so beautiful and it makes sense. Like sometimes you're like, I mean I guess I can buy that these two end up together, but I don't know. This one I felt it just was so beautifully paced out. And the way that they have actual conversations once they figure out the misunderstandings that happen, which does take a while, but they do eventually get there. And I loved that. And yeah, the all of the supporting characters are so good. I love the way that Trisha works um, on understanding her place in her family. And then, you know, there is this really intense subplot with DJ's sister, who becomes one of Trisha's patients, and um, is basically told that, like, she has this cancer, and she... There's a surgery that could save her life, like prevent her from dying, but it means she'll go blind. And as an artist, she's really struggling with that. And the way that 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 plot unfolds, I think, is really amazingly handled as well. Um, It takes a while to get there, but it does get there. So there's so much going on in this book. It's an amazing cast of characters, and I think it will hit all of your sort of romance preferences. So, yeah, Pride, Prejudice and Other Flavors by Sonali Dave. Who's next, Amanda? Um, let's, let's Jen. Uh, we'll just stay on a general. All right. So, <laughs> obviously. Okay. I'm going to like speed talk two different books here. Um, because. Cheater. <laughs> Cheaters always win. Okay. Um, because I, it was really hard for me. The comedic lighter thing, I think is sometimes really hard to like get right in Sarah or get right in romance. And so I have two recommendations. One is called Wrong Bed, Right Roommate by Rebecca Brooks. And what I really liked about this is just like sort of a cool setup. It's really cute. It's and I like that it's like 20 something 
characters like kind of struggling in a way that felt really real to me. That's what both of these books have in common. And this one, um, Jessie Santana and her BFF have been renting a two bedroom apartment in Brooklyn and her best friend is going to go off and do something and they need to find a subletter and it falls through. And so her friend, without telling her, telling Jessie, essentially lets her brother, tells her brother, like, oh, you could sublet with Jesse. Well, turns out Jesse has had a crush on Sean basically forever. And when he arrives that night, it's late and all the lights are off and he mistakes which room it is and he crawls into bed with Jesse. <laughs> boop, boop. And it's delightful. And it's I my just... my favorite. Oh, it's so good, you guys. What's the doodle? It's so good. Well, and I think the thing I liked about it is, um, you know, it's about People like really like legitimately trying to figure out who they are, especially around the people that have known you for a long time. And so it's Jesse kind of figuring out like, hey, you know what? I am good enough for Sean. And it's Sean who has kind of like kind of, I don't know, meandered through his 20s and really is trying to prove to himself that he has something to offer besides just being a playboy and can like stick with a job. And that all felt really real to me. And a similar book I really loved is called One and Only by Jenny Holiday. And in this book, again, Jane Denning is our heroine and she is a bridesmaid in her best friend's wedding. And the bro- the groom's brother is coming into town and he's like, you know, a real troublemaker. So the bride essentially assigns Jane like you have to go and essentially babysit this bad news brother. And of course they fall in love, but it's really fun and they have fun together. And again, it just feels like regular people stuff, right? Cameron is, it happens in Canada is like left the army. He's trying to figure out who he is. Jane is kind of, again, a wallflower who um, is like, you know, determined to be a good bridesmaid in this wedding, but also has like her own work to do. And it's just a really delightful romp. And both um, Rebecca Brooks and and Jenny Holiday, I think, really know how to handle kind of snappy dialogue. It feels really modern and really now. And and I love both of these books. All right. Before we continue, let's take a quick break for our next sponsor. Okay. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang. So this is an interesting love story. It's great for fans of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and High Fidelity. It's set in the mid-90s at NYU. And it follows young Wang, who has gotten the advice of love through Chinese numerology from his uncle. So he believes that he will have seven great loves in his life. And then he meets Irena in 95 and she's like the best. She's brilliant, charismatic, quick-witted, funny. They fall in love. But the thing is, she's number six. So if he is to have seven great loves, does that mean his time with Arena is going to come to an end? So this is a love letter to Western pop culture, Eastern traditions, and being a first-generation New Yorker. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Thirsty by Jazz Hammonds. 
College student Blake and her girlfriend have one goal, join the exclusive sorority that promises connections to a network of trailblazing women of color. Now, Ella's acceptance is a sure thing. She's a daughter of a Serena Society alum. After all, Blake, on the other hand, lacks Ella's pedigree and her confidence. Luckily, though really unluckily, she finds courage at the bottom of a liquor bottle. When she drinks, she's bold and funny, and as pledging intensifies, so does Blake's drinking. Ella assures her that she's fine, partying hard is what it takes, but with her future on the line, Blake must decide how far she's willing to go to achieve glittering dreams of success. Now, just so you know, Jazz Hammonds is the 2023 winner of the Credit Scott King John Steptoe Award for New Talent for We Deserve Monuments, and We Deserve Monuments was an Amazon Best Books of the Year and Barnes & Noble Best Books of the Year for 2023, so suffice to say, y'all should check this new one out. Thanks again to Thirsty by Jazz Hammonds for sponsoring this episode. Sarah, why don't you go next? Okay. My pick for this one is Naima Simone scoring off the field because um, this question came with a caveat that she likes friends to lovers. And I hate friends to lovers. (laughs) But this book is the... Like it, it's the perfect friends to lovers romance, and I love it so much. It's the exception to my rule, so it must be great. Um, so uh, this is the second in the WAGS series, which is uh, stands for Wives and Girlfriends, um, and it's set in a fictional NFL style um world where uh, the the hero of this book, Dominic Anderson, is the star quarterback for an NFL team in Washington. And he, for his entire life, his best friend in the world has been, and Tennyson Clark, has been his personal assistant. They grew up together since they, they were, she was in foster care when they were young and and he was like her, her rock when they were teenagers. And then um, he went into the NFL and she became his assistant um and she has had it is unrequited longing um on her part but friends to lovers she lives she is constantly in his house she's with him all the time she keeps his calendar everybody on the team knows her and she has been in love with him forever um so there is a little bit of pining here but it's not like years and years of pining between them or separated or separation it i don't think it fits into what you don't like anyway uh Right in the first chapter of this book, Tenny realizes, like, her whole life has been given up to this unrequited love for her best friend in the world, and it is toxic for her. Like, she just cannot live this life anymore. She cannot – like, her heart can't stand it. She has a degree. She wants to be a therapist. Like, she has – she had plans when she was young, and now she's sort of given her whole life over to this man who she adores and who she, like, wants to spend her whole life with, but, like, who just doesn't have time. Like, he's a professional football player. He does not have time for a relationship. So chapter one, she quits her job. She tells him, like, I quit. I can't do this anymore. Like, I have a life to lead. You know, I'll find you another assistant. And in that moment, she breaks him. And, like, I love a hero who's broken. Um, And she breaks him in a thousand different ways because he's at first sort of like, well, how am I going to, you know – know where I'm even going without you. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she's like, no, no, you'll figure it out. Um, and then like slowly over the, you know, over the book, he realizes like, how am I ever going to know where I'm going without you? And it's 
so magnificent. Like fall, these two people who love each other so much falling in love with each other is just perfection. And it's the second in the series. There are two others. And Naima is a really prolific writer. And literally, I I read everything she reads. So once you've read this one, you've got, you know, a dozen other books to go to. All right. So I will wrap us up here with Take the Lead by Alexis Daria, which I love this series so much. Every (laughs) book is a different um, character on the dance-off, which in this universe is like a fictional version of Dancing with the Stars. Uh, And in this one, the main character's name is Gina, Gina Morales. She, it's her fifth season on the dance-off, and she's never made it to the finals, and she's like really determined to win this year. And she gets paired up with a guy named Stone Nielsen. Let's all just take a minute for Stone (laughs) Nielsen. who is the star of a reality TV show called Living Wild set in the Alaskan wilderness where he like lives with his parents and their 15 kids. It's not actually 15, but might as well be. Like you reach a certain number where you might as well just have 15. Um, and so <laughs> it's like the Duggars, but without the weird religious stuff. Anyway, so they live in Alaska <laughs> and he comes to L.A. Um, to be on this show because of like family obligations and need the money. They want to do publicity for the show, whatever. Um, and they, of course, because this is romance, are like attracted to each other. But for a lot of different reasons, including Gina not wanting to fall into these like cliche stereotypes about Latino women, um, she doesn't want to get involved with him. But her producer is setting her up so that she kind of has to like to get to keep her job. So there's this whole entanglement that they don't know how to you know work their way out of. But then they are in reality like falling for each other so like how to stay true to the feelings that they're having for each other while also maintaining their professional integrity um and of course like stone (laughs) stone doesn't want to leave alaska like he loves alaska gina's from new york and is is living in los angeles and is like that's not for me bears are no that's going to be a no from gina (laughs) so what like what even future do they have it's so great i don't know if i would call it friends to love like it's you know co-workers to lovers um but stone really does like worship Gina their their love is pretty instant but like I don't know not in a not in an annoying way in a like I get it his name is Stone and like he chops wood <laughs> it's so great right I love that book I love it love it love it like she I feel like if I saw a dude named Stone with a six-pack chopping wood in Alaska I would also be like I don't care about my job this is fine <laughs> yeah do all name is right destiny here. name is destiny Sarah always says and it's true right mm-hmm. Stone <laughs> fine so that's Take the Lead by Alexis Daria. I think we have time for one more. So we'll do one more. Question. Yes. Okay. All right. So our next question is from Nan, who says, I'm looking for a sexy book. It doesn't necessarily have to be a romance or have descriptions of sex in it, but I would like something with a sexy vibe slash feel. I know this is a bit of a vague request. I'm having trouble. I'm having a hard time nailing down what I'm looking for, so here are some of my preferences. I tend to read and enjoy a lot of literary fiction. I also like sci-fi fantasy and have recently started reading romance. I'm a little tired of the very young woman slash older man trope, but we'll go back to it if you feel strongly about your recommendation. Same with the virgin trope. I can do spooky, but not gory. I have no preference on when the book was published, so I'm kind of asking, what is the sexiest book you've read? Uh, Listen, I'm so excited to hear the (laughs) answers to this question, so I'm going to stop talking and ask Faded Mates Jen to jump in here. You know what's really hilarious? Sarah and I talk all the time. Like, if you give me a real specific recommendation, right? Like, I needed to be on roller skates and in Iowa, and the mom has to sell Girl Scout cookies. I'm like... 
here you go. This one I was like, <laughs> what am I going to do? And then I've decided that given the talk of like science fiction fantasy, I think it's really time to talk a little bit more about a very specific book from the Immortals After Dark series, which as Sarah talked about at the beginning was what our whole podcast was about. And I just recently re-listened to Dark Needs at Night's Edge again on audio, which is fantastic. Oh, so, good. It's so good. And in this book, um, a vampire falls in love with a ghost. And I know you're like, wait, how could that be sexy? And I think <laughs> here's why. Because it is all about longing. And when we talk about, like, sexiness, right, it doesn't have to just be sex. Like, it's about atmosphere. It's about the physicality. It's about, like, sort of, like, the muscle in your body that wants as opposed to feels. And I think that this is the thing that this book does so well. And so Conrad is essentially a vampire. He's been um, drinking people, which leads you to essentially have their memories. And so he is like quite literally insane at the beginning of the book. And his brothers essentially want to detox him. And they do it in a haunted house in New Orleans. <laughs> where he, do? Of course, right? Because, where else would you, you know, do it? Everyone's going to hear the screaming and moaning and yelling, but they're going to be like, whatever. It's just this haunted house. And um, Naomi is uh, a ghost that she's been there for 80 years. She was essentially um, during like the roaring 20s was a ballerina in New Orleans who was killed by her ex-fiance. And these two, the way they fall in love and the way that like her, their love literally become their longing becomes like embodies her, right? It's such a fantastic and like really like sexy, sexy story. So that's my suggestion. Dark Needs at Night's Edge. Amazing. And when you're done with it, you can listen to the Fate of Mates episode on the book where we talk about how the craft of this book is like beyond yeah. amazing. Yeah. Sarah, what do you got? Well, I'm going to cheat too because I have a series. <laughs> um, I So here's where I went with this. You wanted a sexy book and obviously romance is the place where sex happens on the page and it happens thoughtfully on the page. So I'm giving you actual real sex on the page. Um, and I mean, which many of these books have. But uh, this one, this is an erotic series by Katie Porter. It's called the Vegas Top Gun series. And the reason why I picked it um, it's set in Vegas around um, um, uh, essentially like fighter pilots in Vegas, um, a, a collection. <laughs> there should there is a, definitely a name for them, like a squadron, I guess, of fighter pilots. Um, a collection and- <laughs> of romance heroes. It's called an ego. <laughs> Whatever. Um, a murder, a murder of fighter pilots, <laughs> fighter pilots, um, in Vegas. And there are five books and each one tackles a different kink. And, um, if there's Ooh. one rule in romance, it's no kink shaming. And so, uh, the, there's like role play kink and alpha submissive kink and dubious consent and voyeurism. And each book, each couple explores their relationship and falls in love via their own personal kink. And so there's a lot of discussion about like coming to terms with your kink and like experiencing it and sharing it and exploring it with somebody who you trust. Um the so I sort of I don't I feel like these are really personal books in the sense that like when you've read the whole they're so sexy all of them. Um but when you've read the whole series you sort of you'll come to the one that feels right 
to you. It's there. They, this is a series that really speaks to id for me. Mm. Like, um, so my favorite is the alpha submissive one. Um, but like, there's the role play one is fabulous. The, so the the role play one is called Double Down. The alpha submissive is called Hold'em. Uh, the Dubcon is a marriage in trouble book um, where these two people are about to get divorced and then they sort of start they start experience they start sort of playing with non-consent consensual non-consent that one's called hard way and then the last one is called bare knuckle um which is all voyeurism so if any of those seem like your kind of thing if you're curious katie porter has you these books are fabulous they're so hot excellent one-handed reads <laughs> Look, I am on Libby right now, downloading all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda, I feel like this is the ideal segue for you to start talking. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, you know that my favorite kind of romances are ones that leave you being like, I feel like that was not okay. Like, what I just read was a little bit not okay. <laughs> oh, Katie Porter's your thing. I know! That's why I was like, I'm on here right now. Like, look at the jet on the cover. Double down, the guy in his little tank top. I'm here for it. Leather jacket. Um, <laughs> So I picked Priest by Sierra Simone for this question because this is probably the sexiest book that I've ever read. And it is very like, I don't know if I'm okay with any of this stuff that's happening right here, but I'm into it. Um, As you can probably imagine, it's about a priest um, who breaks his vows with one of his parishioners, which is like, hashtag not cool, but also please do that some more and then let me read about it. Um, so his name is Tyler and, you know, he's a a cute new priest doing his priestly thing at a, at a church and he hits a new parishioner. Her name is Poppy. She's young. She's really pretty, mysterious. Nobody knows where she came from. She works as like a marketing representative at a gentleman's club. It's kind of strange. She's a former dancer herself. Um, and she's looking for like, obviously she shows up in this church. She goes to confession. Like she's looking for something, something more in her life. Um, some, something to give her some meaning, some direction. There's an immediate attraction between the two of them and then like Jen was talking about like so much of what I think makes a book sexy is the longing and the the setup of this book kind of you know makes it automatic that you're going to be in this for the longing for a while because they're both fighting against the desire that they have for each other because of the ethical ethical dilemma that it poses but they want each other so badly that like they can't it's like they almost can't help themselves and that kind of compulsion I think is really interesting especially when it's compelling you past a standard of morality that you've always held up until like that moment. I think that that is really interesting. It's also super hot, very kinky and real dirty. There's like altar stuff that happens, holy oils used in ways like it's pretty sacrilegious. And <laughs> I'm here for all of it. So that's Priest by Sierra Simone. We also did an episode of uh, Faded Mates on Priest. So everybody can follow up all the time with like a whole, you did it in like five minutes. We spent an hour. Well, it deserves <laughs> it. It deserves it. <laughs> Yeah, it's a uh, it's one of the books that I th- I picked it for this season. I think that it's one of the uh, Jen talks all the time about romance novels that are hunting big game, and like Sierra Simone is hunting extremely big game with Priest. I love that metaphor. Uh, okay, so I picked a book that is a literary novel that was published a while back, but it is one of the sexiest books I've ever read. And it is, I will argue this, I, it is a romance. And it is, I think what makes it one of the sexiest books I've ever read is that while there is sex on the page, there is also so much sexual tension and sensual tension in every other thing that they're doing. And so, like, there's not a page on this book that is not about 
feeling or seeing or wanting or desiring. Like there's, there's that's just a hundred percent what this book is about. And it's fascinating because the main character is telling you the story. What's the title? I'm sorry, did I miss it? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I no, thank you. It's written on the body by Jeanette Winterson. <laughs> you I just get like to know. started talking about it. It's a mystery. You never find <laughs> out what the title of this book is. Thank you. So, right. So, Written on the Body by Jeanette Winterson. So, it is the story of the main character, who you never find out their gender, telling you about how they met and fell in love with the love of their life, whose name is Louise, who was married when they met. And the main character has been in and out of other relationships with both women and men and, you know, is telling you the story of those people and the breakups and how they went down and is a bit of like clearly a bit of a player, often leaving them for another person. But, you know, they meet Louise and suddenly everything is different. But Louise is married, but they have an affair anyway. And then, you know, other things happen that I will not spoil. But it's it's like, I don't even know. The language is so interesting. Like, I think one of the most erotic sections of this book is the main character talking about Louise making soup and then eating soup. Like, that, to me, still <laughs> will always be one of the most erotic things I've ever read, which sounds bananas, I understand. <laughs> I'm like, oh, food? Done. I'm, like, downloading yes, it right now. <laughs> it's so... It's amazing. And it's so it grapples so clearly with when you have all of this emotional baggage and like you have like we were talking about earlier when you have been a certain way and then you meet someone who seems to offer you something new. You have so many like, is it real? Is it not real? Can you change? Is this person going to stay like and then there's, you know, things that happen that, you know, call everything into question. And it's just it's so well done and it is so sensual. Every single page. So sensual. So amazing. And I just it's yeah, I mean, it's it's bananas how intensely sexual and sensual this book is. So, again, that's written on the body by Jeanette Winterson. And that's our show. That was so much fun. That was great. <laughs> Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Thank y'all for coming on this show and helping us out with this episode. Thank y'all for listening. Thank you for our sponsors for sponsoring this show. Um, if you would like to con- connect with us on social media, I'm on Instagram at I'm Amanda Nelson and Jen. Get book Jen. Yeah. <laughs> I am on Instagram as I am Jen IRL, Jen with two N's IRL. Um, Sarah, where are you? I'm Sarah McLean, uh, M-A-C-L-E-A-N, on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Um, I also write books, which you can read if you like them. They are also sexy. Very um, sexy. And- <laughs> very, very sexy. And Jen can explain what else we do. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'm on Twitter, mostly at Jen Reads Romance. I'm also the romance correspondent for Kirkus Reviews. And um, just follow me. I tweet about the stuff I write because I'm endlessly self-promoting, <laughs> as all people in the world should be. And then you should totally listen to us deep dive into romance novels every week on our podcast, Faded Bates. And we will be back next week. <laughs>